book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my eight-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter book series. We are still on book six, Harry Potter in the Half-Blood Prince, and we're on chapter 14, Felix Felicis. We know from la- the last episode what Felix Felicis is, so perhaps this will be the time that Felix Felicis is used. What is Felix Felicis again? Felix Felicis has the nickname Luck, um, um, Liquid Luck. But what but is it? What kind of thing is it? I was just about to say. It is a potion that if you drink it for 24 hours straight until that exact time tomorrow, like like tomorrow that, you know. <laughs> we understand. Yeah. yeah. What will happen for 24 it, it'll hours? It'll make you lucky, like completely Whatever lucky. you try and do, you, it'll turn out in your favor. So we we follow up with our friends, Harry, Ron, and Hermione in Herbology class. I don't think we've spent much or any time in Herbology class so far this book. Uh, they're doing another, you know, horrible plant that tries to kill you experiment. They're called uh, gnarled snargaluffs or something like that. Hermione mentions to Harry that there's going to be a private slug club meeting uh, Christmas party, and he has to go. There's no way Slughorn's not going to let him go. Ron's not happy. Why is Ron not happy about this super secret, super private slug club meeting? Because both because his sister and both of his best friends are going, but he's not. So he's being overlooked just another way. And I I, I don't think that he particularly thinks that the Slug Club meeting would be fun or not. It doesn't matter if it's fun at this point. It matters that he's not the only one that doesn't get to go. Yeah. So that's kind of where his head is at right now. Uh, Then then something unusual happens uh, between Harry and Ron. Maybe for the first time in the books, we finally start to see... Uh, what these two might be thinking of each other. They kind of get sort of flirty, but Hermione says, well, if you hadn't made such a big deal out of it, I was going to ask you to go with me to Ron, right? Yeah. How do they sort of react after that? Wait, Harry's in this? Oh, Harry's watching too, but no, she's talking to Ron. She says, Ron, I'm going to take you. Oh, you said Harry. I was going to take you. But yeah. he's like, stupid slug clubs. Nobody wants to go to that. It's dumb anyway. No fun. <laughs> stupid. Yeah. So how does Hermione feel after she says that to Ron? I. Do you remember? Sort of. She gets really embarrassed because she feels like maybe she is confessing her true feelings for him at this point or something along those lines. Ron, as usual, is pretty thick and doesn't catch on. And I think he stays kind of mad. Harry has another reaction to the whole scenario. He sees his friends sort of fighting like they're dating. And Mm -hmm. what does he think about that? He starts to realize 
even if he already knew it, now it's coming to mind for real that um, Hermione and Ron probably like each other. Yeah, he 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 felt like it like this might be coming for a while. But, and now it's but now that it's here, he's maybe not super happy about it. He's not sure how he feels, but he's definitely very uncomfortable. So much so that he knocks over a bowl and breaks it, knocks over a book, and he just kind of wants to get out of there. Uh, Katie Bell, who was the kid who was, you know, cursed by that amulet in the last episode, uh, she's she was actually the, one of the chasers on the Gryffindor Quidditch team, so they got to find a new one. And Harry's going to ask uh, Dean Thomas. Dean uh, also comes into play with another Weasley. Uh, how How is it that uh, after a Quidditch practice, how does Harry find Dean in a compromising position? I believe that he tried out for Chaser. Oh, no, it's not. It's not what happens during Quidditch. It's what happens after Quidditch. Where does Harry find Dean when he's going back to the oh. Gryffindor Quidditch uh, Gryffindor common room? Um, Ginny and him are in an empty classroom in what seems to be an empty corridor kissing. Yeah, they're making out and Harry again has new weird mixed feelings. He's like, wait, what uh, is he, this doesn't feel right. Why does this not feel right to Harry? Because whether he realizes it or realizes it or not, he likes Ginny. He starts to wonder, do I like Ginny? Have I always, or do I just think of her as a younger sister? And do I not like this the same reason that Ron doesn't like it? But I think he starts to realize all in the same day, basically, that everyone's kind of growing up and pairing off and including him. Well, he wants to, but right now he's, you know, he's, he's been a busy kid. He hasn't really had time for girls. He tried to go out with Cho and, you know, people died and all kinds of horrible things happened and. She forgot him over the summer and moved on with her life, you know, so it's uh, but we'll see soon that it's not for lack of interest from the girls. There's lots of girls that wish Harry would pay attention, including Romilda Vane. Yes. And she'll she'll come up here in just a minute. But so anyway, Harry's got a plan for their big Quidditch match against Slytherin to get Ron in on the game to really make Ron a better player. What is Harry's plan to make Ron uh, a bigger asset to the Gryffindor Quidditch team? Is it is it that he and Ron have private Quidditch? No, teams? it has to do with what he won. The title of this chapter, Felix Felicis. Oh, that's right. What is What happens when they're at the uh, dinner table before before Quidditch. Yeah. So Harry takes his bottle, Felix Felicis, which hasn't been drunken at all yet. And uh, when, when Ron isn't looking, he dumps a little bit of the Felix Felicis into his, into his pumpkin juice. At least he appears to. And Ron, Hermione says, no, that's cheating. You can't do that. And Ron's like, forget it, and drinking it, and he goes for it, right? No, he doesn't know until later. Oh, that's right. Maybe that's what happens in the movie. How does Ron find out that he was Felix Felicist? After several good things had happened in, in, a, in a line, 
he figured out that he had been given the lucky potion. Okay. So based on my notes, though, Ron did know. It says that Harry... Hermione noticed Harry messing with Ron's drink and tells Ron not to drink it, and Ron does so anyway. And Harry's like, hey, I didn't do anything, wink, wink. Yeah, that's what happens, but Ron doesn't know. I feel like maybe Ron knows. I feel like Ron... Well, we'll see. I I feel like he part of this plan is Ron knowing that there was something in his drink based on how it turns out. Hmm. So they they do the big Quidditch match with Slytherin. An interesting thing is that Malfoy's not there. Uh they say Malfoy's sick, so he can't play what's he a um seeker. Sure. Do you think Malfoy's sick or do you think he's just busy with secret plans? Probably busy. I, I feel like he just doesn't have time for Quidditch right now. He just doesn't care, probably. Hermione tells Harry, you shouldn't have slipped Ron, the Felix Felicis. And Harry kind of pulls it out. and He's like, I didn't. So what was the point of this whole ruse that Harry does here with the Felix Felicis? He was... He was... He actually took the bottle and pretended to take out the cork and dump it in. And he put it back in his pocket. And when he took it back out to show Hermione, he's like, I didn't do it. But do you understand why this benefited Ron? You're right. Ron um, Ron did, though. Right. Why why did it help him, even though he didn't actually put it in his drink? Because it made him think that he had been given all the lunk. And what did this do to him? It made him feel more confident. Correct. Confidence. So something that Ron sorely lacks is confidence. And it's not because he doesn't deserve it, but it's because he spends so much of his time being overshadowed by older siblings, by famous friends, by smarter friends. By By teachers. uh, Well, no, I don't think he feels like teachers are taking away his glory, but he feels like his friends and his his siblings are. He's ignored. And well, well, Slughorn overlooks him. Overshadowed and overlooked are different words. Overlooks means I'm not paying attention to you. Overshadowed means literally I'm standing in your shadow. People do not see me because they see you. So he might be overlooked by Slughorn, you're right, but he's overshadowed by Harry and by his brothers. So just the idea that he was going to have good luck made Ron a better Quidditch player. And of course they won. Harry caught the snitch. Gryffindor wins. And that's when they reveal that, you know, Ron, you didn't actually have liquid luck. You just, you're actually okay on your own. Do you think that did more to boost Ron's actual confidence? Yes. I bet at first he felt kind of dumb for being tricked, but then he was like, Oh wait, I did all that on my own. So I don't actually need the liquid luck. I'm actually a better Keeper than I thought it was, right? Mm -hmm. So they run back to the Gryffindor common room for a victory celebration. And what happens with Ron there? I'm not sure. There's a girl involved. Do you remember which girl? Lavender Brown is there waiting for him. Right. And what happened? Everyone's cheering Ron on. Everyone loves Ron. What, uh, What happens at the celebration? I don't know. Well, Lavender runs over and kisses Ron, and oh. they start kissing a lot. 
and Ginny is sort of, uh, I, I don't remember if this is when it happens, but at some point Ginny is yelling at Ron about Dean and says, you know, you, the reason you don't like people kissing is because you don't have any experience. Harry kissed Cho and Hermione kissed Crumb, which until that point, no one knew. <laughs> yeah. Which means Hermione must have told Ginny that when they were rooming together at Grimmauld Place. Yeah, I guess so. Or over Christmas. So that was a secret. And so I think at this point, Ron's kind of like, fine, whatever. I'm going to kiss the next person that makes a move. And we know that Lavender has been interested in Ron. So he's like, forget it. I don't care. I don't care if I like her or not. I just I just don't want to be the one left out of the you know grown-up kissing party that's <laughs> going on everywhere. Uh, how does Hermione feel about this? I believe she feels mostly... Mad and disappointed. And a little depressed and uh, certainly a little heartbroken. She runs off by herself and Harry eventually finds her uh, in an empty classroom sitting on a desk with little... Remember what spell she was doing? She was um, making cardinals appear out of the air. Little birds. Yeah, there's little birds flying around her head. And at this point, they have kind of a moment where... Hermione's like, does it get any easier? And Harry's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, you saw Ginny kissing Dean. And he's like, oh, is it obvious? I guess everyone knows I like Ginny for some reason, (laughs) even though I didn't know until today or earlier today. So Ron and Lavender come bursting into that classroom, apparently looking for some privacy. And what happens when they happen on Hermione and, and Harry? What does she do with the birds? I believe she makes them go and try and eat Ron. No, they kind of try and eat his face. (laughs) They start pecking at his face. And then she runs off. So apparently Hermione's pretty good at doing uh, attacking tiny bird spells. (laughs) Chapter 15, The Unbreakable Vow. This is certainly something we've touched on the very beginning of the book. What an unbreakable vow is and who has made one recently. Yeah. Uh, But I guess we're going to get into some of the meat of it now. Ron and Hermione are on the outs. They are not talking to each other. And this is very similar to a time when Harry and Ron weren't talking to each other, right? Whereas Hermione was stuck in the middle before. Now Harry's kind of stuck in the middle. His two best friends aren't speaking to each other. Harry wasn't talking to Ron when? When Ron thought Harry hid secrets from him during the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah, I don't remember that. Well, uh, Ron thought Harry snuck his name into the Triwizard Cup. Oh, yeah. Everyone hated Harry, including Ron. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't speak to each other. And then they had that whole thing about, you know, I told so-and-so to tell him, to tell them, to tell you, to tell Pavardi, to tell you that Hagrid's looking for you. (laughs) So... Uh, whereas, you know, like I said, whereas Hermione was stuck in the middle, Harry's stuck in the middle this time. The worst part is not only are his two best friends not speaking, they're mad at each other, but it's also kind of obvious that they're sort of in love with each other, too. So I think yeah. Harry just wishes they would figure it out, you know? Like, one, not be in love with each other. Well, and, well, I don't think that bothers him. He does not have any romantic feelings for Hermione, so I don't think he minds who she likes. You said, never mind. Okay. So, Harry's talking... It's sort of like 
Uh, it's sort of like they're playing monkey in the middle of the angry way. <laughs> sure. Um, Hermione tells Harry he needs to be careful because a lot of girls are talking about how they're going to slip him a love potion. Yeah, they're, this is where they learn that they're sneaking it in th- um, through perfume bottles. Yeah, uh, Filch has banned everything from Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, and she talks about how they're sneaking it in by Owl uh, in in, in perfume bottles. But Filch is checking all the owls. Yeah, but he sees perfume, and he doesn't know, so he just lets it go through. Oh, uh, he's, he's like, oh, it's just perfume, let it go. Uh, Harry and Hermione... Here's someone behind the bookshelf, and it's Madame Pence, and she is upset that Harry's copy of Advanced Potion Making is full of scribbles. She thinks that Harry did it. He's like, hey, this is mine. Well, he's, I don't think he says anything, because he doesn't want anyone to know about his secret Half-Blood Prince potion book. I think he does this. Well, what I'm saying is, he's not going to say, hey, don't, you know, this is from the Half-Blood Prince, like... I think at this point he doesn't want Hermione to know that he's still got the book because she sees the new cover, remember? Yeah. So maybe she thinks that he's gotten rid of it too. I think she knows because I think she saw him flip the covers. So when they get back to the common room, Ramilda offers Harry a drink and he's like, "Uh, no thanks. Because maybe it's poisoned with love potion. (laughs) And she goes, oh, that's fine. Um... How about some chocolate cauldrons? And he's like, mm, sure. I mean, I'll take them. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to eat them, but I'll take them. I'll take them and keep them in my cupboard forever. For some reason, Ron is teasing Hermione at this point, and she runs out of the classroom uh, crying. Harry follows her, and they sort of run into Luna, and Harry has a proposition for Luna, he says, before he even realizes what's, what he's saying. Do you remember what he asks her? He asks her, do you want to come to Slughorn's party with me? How does she react? She's probably... Ex- he's, she's probably happy, and also, a, and also a little bit... What's the word I'm looking for? Surprised? She is concerned that Harry might have a crush on her because she is not interested in Harry. Oh. So she's like, oh, to the party with you? Oh, um, he says, as friends. <laughs> and she's like, oh, 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 as friends. Yes, yes, that's I'd love fine. to go as friends. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> it's also interesting that Luna has talked several times about how she doesn't have many friends. And so any invitation, actually, she says I've never been invited to a party before. So... Once she realizes there's no romantic pressure, I think she's quite excited to go to a party. She's never been to one before. Uh, you know, Luna, as nice as she is, her oddness has kept her from developing socially because people that might want to be her friends don't give her a chance. Including the radish earrings and the butterbeer cork necklace. Yeah, she, she's off-putting to people who are unwilling to look past her weirdness. And so it's not fair to her, but it's also just not easy for her to make friends, I guess. Uh, Ron is making out with Lavender and Hermione arrives and she's like, well, I'm going to the party with Cormac McCloggan. Yeah, I believe I believe that I don't know if this is now or not, but Harry runs into Ginny 
and th- this might have already passed and we didn't talk about it, but uh, Harry runs into Ginny and Ron and and Lavender are kissing and Harry doesn't notice until Ginny tells him and she's like, I know, it looks like he's eating her face, doesn't it? Yeah, that is, this is the part where I think they were, yeah, She. this is where Ginny is kind of like, oh, you know, there he goes again. Like, she's, I don't know what her point is right now because one of the things we're supposed to think about her breaking up with the guy before Dean, I can't remember who it was. It, I think it was... Well, it doesn't matter. Whoever it was, one of the things we're supposed to be thinking about her breaking up with boys left and right is that it's because she can't be with the one she wants to be with, which might be Harry. I think it was Michael Corner before. But, but here she is now with Dean, and so she's kind of talking to Harry like world friends, and he's probably still kind of weirded out. Uh, at the Slug Club Christmas party, not only are there students there, there's actually a lot of famous people there. There's a, a vampire there's a famous author. There's the band, the weird sisters, lots of people that would be considered like a list party guests. Somehow slughorn has been allowed to invite these people into Hogwarts. Seems a little unusual. (laughs) You would think Dumbledore would have to approve these guests. So especially the vampire that, yeah, that seems like he must be under some spells or at least the watchful eye of somebody, right? He is. I I wouldn't let a uh, vampire run wild in my school of children. Yeah, he's kept on watch by somebody. Uh, they're talking to Professor Trelawney, and Slughorn pops in, talking about how Harry has just a wonderful gift at potions. He's just he's very talented, isn't he? And he's obviously Slughorn's favorite student right now. Harry knows I'm not actually that great at potions. <laughs> and uh, he says, you know, you, you must have the instinct like your mother did. Again, reinforcing that he taught Lily Potter and was fond of her. He also mentions that few of his students have this ability. Snape is pulled into the conversation and Harry says, well, I don't actually want to be, you know, too much into potions. I want to be an Auror." And Luna has something to say about Aurors. Do you remember what she says about Aurors? No. She says, oh, you don't want to be an Auror. They're all a part of the Rotfang conspiracy. They're Taking over the ministry with dark magic and gum disease. Gum disease? Yes, obviously it's a crazy theory from her dad's paper, I would imagine. So now we know that perhaps some of the things in the Quibbler are true and some of them are silly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think the Aurors are trying to overthrow the ministry, though we don't really know what's going on at the ministry right now. Mm-mm. So maybe the Aurors are actually... Against the minister, we don't know. Out of nowhere, here comes Filch dragging somebody by the collar. Who's he got? I believe he's got Draco. Yeah, and why is it a problem that Draco was found at this party? Because he wasn't invited. Yeah, he's trying to do what's called gate crashing, which is showing up at a party uninvited. This is a private party. He's not supposed to be there, and he's like, fine, I don't want to be here anyway. I'm like, why'd you... Try so hard to get in. <laughs> uh, Snape pulls Draco aside. What does Harry think about this? He probably thinks that 
they're going to talk talk more about the Dark Lord's plan for him. Right. So he follows them with his invil- is a invisibility cloak, which apparently he brings to every party. And he hears them having a conversation in an empty classroom. Do you remember what Snape says to Draco? No. He says, I know you had a hand uh, in what happened to the Bell Girl. And he says, I didn't do it. And uh, Bell must have an enemy that no one knows about. So he's even lying, possibly, to Snape at this point. Uh, then Snape tries to do legitimacy on Draco. And what's interesting about this is we don't know where Snape's loyalty lies. We are fairly certain where Draco's loyalty lies with the Dark Lord. But it seems that whatever plan the Dark Lord has that involves Draco, Snape doesn't know it. So does that make you think Snape is more likely evil or not? Probably not if he doesn't know what the plan is. You would think he would be involved at this point. But he is saying, Draco, I will help you with your task. I've made the unbreakable vow. So I have to help you. Yeah, unless you do it yourself. He says he swore to protect him. And Draco's like, it looks like you're going to have to break your vow then. Because I don't need any help from you. He also says something like, it's my job. He gave it to me. Obviously, at this point, he seems to be talking about Voldemort, right? Yeah. Snape gives Draco some advice. He tells him, you need to have lookouts when you're doing your... Secret plan here. Get your idiot cronies, Crab and Goyle, <laughs> and uh, go put them around the corners, you know, so they can see if anyone's following you. I believe he eventually does do that. Draco says, I don't need Crab and Goyle. I have better people, better people than that on my side, you know. So he's uh, he's probably terrified that he's been given this task, but he's trying to mask it with ego. By saying, like, I'm great. I'm going to do great at this job, whatever this job is that I've been told to do. Yeah. He also is not trusting of Snape because he thinks, do you know why he doesn't trust Snape? Mm-mm. He thinks Snape wants to do the job himself. Mm. Let's say for grins that Draco has been charged with murdering Harry Potter. <laughs> so maybe he thinks that Snape wants to do it. And then forever until the end of time, people will know Snape is the guy that murdered Harry Potter and let the Dark Lord come to power, right? Mm-hmm. I think he would prefer that be his claim to fame, right? Mm-hmm. Chapter 16, A Very Frosty Christmas. I don't remember that being a chapter title. That sounds odd. It is. It reminds me of Frosty the Snowman. That's kind of what I was thinking. That sounds like a Frosty the Snowman special <laughs> as opposed to a Harry Potter <laughs> book chapter title. Uh, at the burrow, Harry is telling Ron what he heard Snape discussing with Draco. Ron fills Harry in on what an unbreakable vow is and what happens if you break it. What happens if you break it? You die. That's why it's unbreakable. It's your choice to break it, but then you're dead. It's the last thing you'll ever do. So Fred and George have come home from Christmas. I would assume this might be 
hard for them because they're running a very successful business and they, uh, you know, Christmas is the busiest shopping season, right? Yeah. So I don't know if this is where we learn this or not. It's definitely in this book and it's just kind of a side note. Uh, Fred and George have opened a joke shop in Diagon Alley. What was their favorite joke shop? Their favorite joke shop before they made theirs? Yes. Zonko's. And where was Zonko's? In Hogsmeade. And Hogsmeade is right down the street from Hogwarts, right? Yeah. This is where Fred and George would shop. This is the place they loved. Uh, What happened to Zonko's? Did it get shut down? It's closed. The first time they go to Hogsmeade Village, they notice, or Harry notices that Zonko's is closed. I think it's safe to say this is a direct result of Weasley's Wizard Wheezes stealing all their business. Now, to be fair, they've probably got a better product, better store, etc. Weasley's? Yeah. Um, And for years before they opened their own shop, they were selling their own tricks and treats. Already. To Hogwarts students, which was probably already cutting into Zonko's business since I bet their main customer was Hogwarts students. Probably, yeah. But it's a little bit bittersweet because they didn't hate Zonko's. They loved it. It was their favorite shop. But it seems like maybe they caused them to close down. Yeah, it's it's their fault that they got shut down. But they also like people buying their stuff. Yeah. Bill and Floor have also come for Christmas. And what does everyone think of Floor? She's really annoying. Yeah, she's insulting people. She, yeah, that makes me wonder. Is Bill p- a lo- put um, have a love potion or something? They do actually like each other. She is just unkind. She's just huh. not immediately able to say the right thing, and she insults Mrs. Weasley. Uh, Mrs. Weasley's favorite singer, Celestina Warbeck, comes on the radio, and she insults her. And you know, if someone says this is my favorite show, and you say that show stinks, I hate it. That's kind of, it's an insult to the person. It's saying the things you like are bad. Yeah, a lot. And if, say, you liked My Little Pony and you were 10 or something, and and you said, I like My Little Pony to your friend, and they're like, you're a baby. That show's a baby show. Okay. Then that, yeah. Sure. If you if you say that the things that you like are not for you, they're for somebody else, then that's also an insult. Yes. Uh, so she's just not a favorite. You know, they call her Flim. They don't like Floor very much. Yeah, Flim is really gross. Harry's trying to convince people about Draco and Snape. Mr. Weasley tells Harry, you need to trust, trust Dumbledore and what he says about Snape. If Dumbledore trusts Snape, I trust Snape. And he wants Harry to do the same thing. Do you think Harry believes that? Believes what? That he should trust Snape because Dumbledore does. Or do Pro- you think that he thinks Dumbledore is making a mistake? Probably half and half. I think he's convinced Snape is evil and that Dumbledore is the one thing that he might be wrong about. Lupin says, I I don't like Snape or dislike him, but he is the guy that made my Wolfsbane potion that kept me from losing my mind when I became a werewolf, you know? 
So he can't be all that bad? Maybe not. Lupin also tells Harry that he's been living somewhere else. Where where has he gone? Do you remember he's sort of being a spy right now? Um, not really. He goes to live with werewolves. Oh. And he finds out that almost all the werewolves are on Voldemort's side. He's been spying. Dang. Do you remember the werewolf Fenrir Greyback? Yeah. He's their leader. He's the one that turned Lupin into a werewolf. Now, I don't know if Harry Potter wizard law lore works the same as other werewolf lore, but the way to cure a werewolf is to kill the person that made them. So perhaps if they killed Fenrir Greyback, then Lupin would be free of this curse. That's probably it, yeah. Harry asks Lupin if he's ever heard of the Half-Blood Prince and tells him about the potions book and about the new spells like Levi Corpus. Has Lupin ever heard of it? Yes. Well, of, so. the po- of the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, no. The, the, the spell he has. And he says, everyone uses that spell. Don't worry about it. Um, later, he searches in the book to see the date it was published and realizes it's pretty old. Do you remember how old the book was? 50 years? Yeah, about 50 years old, which means the person that used it would have been a sixth year about 50 years ago. So it's someone about 56 years old. That narrows it down. Uh, yeah, so... Does that mean it could be Voldemort? Maybe? I, I don't, don't know how don't, old he is. I feel Voldemort is like 90. But like but like I said, if it was Voldemort, like why would it be that obvious? I don't know. I don't know why they I mean it's, it's hard to say. Um Harry asks Tonks why her patronus changed. Do you remember why? Mm-mm. Lupin says it was it can happen because of a great shock or an emotional stress. But they don't go into it. They don't go into it any further. We don't know why or what her Patronus is now. Percy shows up and he's, you know, Percy works for the ministry. Awesome ministry of magic. And who is with him? It's the minister. It's the new minister of magic, Rufus Scrimjaw. And that's like... Uh, the president showing up at your house for, for Christmas dinner. This is uncommon. This is not normal. Do you remember why Scrimjaw comes to the Weasley house? I believe it's to speak to Harry. He not only wants to speak to Harry, he says, I've been wanting to speak to you and haven't been able to, which seems to imply, Harry, you're more important than the minister. Like, I can't get a meeting with you, you know? Yeah. What is the tone of their conversation? What do they talk about? I'm not sure. Scrimjaw has a request for Harry. Do you remember anything that he asks him? No. He says, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. After a few moments, he says, uh, did you know that, Harry? He said, no. The idea that there is somebody out there who might be able, who might even be destined to destroy he who must not be named. Well, naturally, it gives people a lift. And I can't help but feel that once you realize this, you might consider it, well, almost a duty to stand alongside the ministry and give everyone a boost. 
So what is he really asking Harry to do at this point? To work at the ministry. Not so much to work there, but when asked to say, I, Harry Potter, stand with the ministry. I'm the most popular and and famous wizard in the world, and I support Rufus Scrimjaw. So you should do what the ministry says. Does that sound like something Harry is inclined to do? No, because one, he's not with the ministry. This is something else I want to read because this really paints a picture of the of the mentality that Harry has right now and of how people may start trying to use him for his fame. It says they looked at each other long and hard. Finally, Scrimjaw said with no pretense or warmth, I see you prefer like your hero Dumbledore to disassociate yourself from the ministry. And then Harry says, I haven't forgotten minister. Harry raised his right fist there, shining white on the back of his cold hand were the scars which Dolores Umbridge had forced him to carve into his own flesh. I must not tell lies. I don't remember you rushing to my defense when I was trying to tell everyone Voldemort was back. The ministry wasn't so keen to be pals last year. What do you think he's saying there? He's saying that, hey, why are you asking me to to support you if you didn't support me at all? Exactly. I was begging for your, not even for your help, just for your understanding. And you let these horrible things happen at my school. This is also the first time that we... Because this does not happen in the movies, and so it fades from my memory pretty easily. This is the first time we were told that the scars on Harry's hand are permanent. That I bet a lot of the other kids who only had to do a few lines probably healed. Harry probably had to do dozens and dozens and dozens of lines. And he refused to give up or say he was done because he didn't want to give Umbridge the satisfaction. So he's got permanent scars on his hand now. And... That might be the only time that's ever mentioned. I'd actually forgotten that. Scrimjaw says, Dumbledore's man through and through, aren't you, Potter? Yeah, I am, said Harry. Glad we straightened that out. Turning his back on the Minister of Magic, he strode back towards the house. That's crazy. That's like the president showing up at your house and saying, I've got a special mission for you. You're the only one that can do it. And you're like, no thanks, chump. I don't, ha- I don't owe you anything. Right? Yeah. That's weird. But it's it's the right thing to do, for Harry at least. It just shows that he, he, he doesn't necessarily care that somebody is the minister of magic or that they have power or that they're important. He's How does he judge people? He judges them on by how they treated him. How they treat others is a fair way to say that. He judges them by their actions and how they treat others. And he says, you didn't treat me with kindness or friendship, and now you're asking for mine? I don't think so. So I think he's got the right idea. How do you think somebody like Draco would have responded to that question? Or perhaps the Draco of last year, who isn't so preoccupied with his task. He would have probably been like, uh, yeah, man, sure. Yeah, he'd fallen all over himself to to get the most powerful political figure in the world uh, to think he was great. He would have loved it. And 
this isn't related to what we're talking about right now, but it is related to Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you said this on the podcast or not. I can't remember who said it, but in in case it wasn't you, Voldemort Voldemort is actually said wrong. We talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Voldemort is how their author intended, but because it was wrong in the movies, it's wrong for the whole world. That's fine. I think Voldemort sounds better, honestly. The hard T at the end sounds more menacing than Voldemort. Sounds very Beaubaton, Voldemort, Fleur de la Corps. Oi, oi, oi. So, chapter 17, A Sluggish Memory. The chapter's titles are getting positively punly now. Sluggy, sluggy, slug. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Ginny return to Hogwarts for the through the flu network and meet up with Hermione. Hermione has a note from Dumbledore. Do you remember what the note says? People are passing Harry notes all the time during this book. I believe it's another. It's for another meeting with Dumbledore. Yeah, it's a secret meeting with Dumbledore. He says it's time for your next secret lesson. We're going to go do a you know fact finding mission on on Voldemort. Apparition lessons are starting. This is kind of funny because it sort of mirrors how at least I was taught driving at school. You had to sign up for driving instruction for after school classes, but it was through the school. So they're learning apparition. There's a very interesting uh, bit of possibly a mistake in this chapter. Do you remember how much apparition lessons cost? No. They say they cost 12 galleons, okay? Mm-hmm. In the first book, they say that a wand costs 17 galleons, okay? Mm-hmm. That's not cheap. That's a good amount of money. Uh, how many galleons did Harry win for his Triwizard Tournament winnings? 25,000. No, that was like money. I think he won like... A hundred galleons or something, right? I thought it was 25,000 galleons. 25,000 galleons? No, because you have to multiply that by like 20. All right, I'm going <laughs> to pause. Let's see. How much did Harry win in the Tri-Wizard Tournament? Let's see if we can find that quickly. How many galleons did he win in the Tri-Wizard Tournament? Here's a question. And the answer is a thousand. Oh. So we won a thousand galleons, which we figure is like twenty or thirty thousand dollars. But here they're saying that a wand cost about seventeen galleons. Let's go by possibly twenty-five bucks. So a wand's worth about four hundred plus dollars, four twenty-five, which means that driving instruction is like three hundred dollars. That's actually pretty close to Muggle normal, right? Yeah. Here's the problem. Uh, The Weasleys couldn't afford a new wand for Ron. They mentioned at one point that their vault only has one galleon in it. Ron several times mentions he doesn't have a galleon to his name. Yet Ron signs up for apparition lessons without a second thought. Maybe Harry gives him the money. Maybe he does. It seems like they should mention that in the book if he does. But I think it's one of those things where they didn't spend a lot of time deciding what the money was actually worth. Or maybe Fred and George had some money left over from for from their joke shop or something. 
also a good point. Perhaps they are helping the family now that they're successful. It would be rather rude of them to let their family continue to be poor if they were doing quite well at their joke shop. So that's a good point. Maybe he's getting help from his family. Uh, So that was Frosty Christmas. Now we're on chapter 17. Sluggish memory. Okay, here we are. Apparition lessons. uh, Sign-ups happen. Uh, Harry is telling everybody about Draco and Greyback and Scrimjaw and all the stuff that's happened over Christmas. And Harry goes to his uh, next private meeting with Dumbledore. The Pensieve is already out, ready to go. They talk about Harry's meeting with Scrimjaw as well. And Dumbledore mentions the reason that Scrimjaw hasn't been able to meet with you is because I have been preventing him from meeting with you. So the reason he sort of ambushed Harry at the Weasley house was because he figured that was the only place he could catch him, right? Yeah. Uh, Dumbledore mentions that Scrimjaw accused Harry of being Dumbledore's man through and through in the Daily Prophet. And Harry says, well, of course, that's exactly what I said. And Dumbledore almost looks like he's going to cry. He's like, oh, like you're a good boy, you know? It's got kind of a father-son relationship with Harry, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore says Scrimjaw sent a guy named Dawlish to follow him and find out what he's been doing when he leaves school. He's already had to jinx him twice to get him off his trail. So we don't yet know what Dumbledore is doing when he leaves school, right? Perhaps he's collecting these memories? Yeah, that's that's our guess anyways. We're not entirely sure at this point why he is he is leaving for weeks at a time. Uh, Dumbledore tells Harry that the events in the life of Tom Riddle when uh, when he w- or tells him about the events of Tom Riddle's life when he was a student at Hogwarts. Dumbledore tried to give Riddle a chance, perhaps more than anybody, but he never he never trusted him. Right? Yeah. He also mentions that as Riddle got older, because he was quite friendless. But as he got older, he had supporters. Uh, how do you think that's different? Supporters are like toadies, like Crab and Goyle? Exactly. Do you think Crab and Goyle really think Draco is... Or reverse that. Do you think Draco thinks Crab and Goyle are his friends? No. He thinks they are his minions, basically, right? Yeah. So he mentions that early on... Dumbledore or or Voldemort was gaining followers, but not friends, people that wanted to be a part of his world. He mentions that these people followed him through life. And who did they become eventually? The Death Eaters. Right. It's very interesting to me that this so closely mirrors the way Draco behaves at school and the fact that at least one of Draco's friends or, or minions is the son of a Death Eater. I think it's Crab, right? Or is it both? Are Crab and Goyle's father's Death Eaters? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah they're both Death Eaters. Yeah, so you're really telling me that Draco is like a baby Voldemort at this point. <laughs> their lives are, are stunningly similar despite their very different upbringings, right? Yeah. So anywho, uh, but he says, I never trust him. And he also mentions Tom Riddle was obsessed with his parentage, with his, with who his parents were, what they were. 
when he found out that his father wasn't a wizard, he wanted to find out more about his mother's family. And that is when he changed his name to Voldemort instead of Tom Riddle. Why do you think that was important to him? Because it made him sound like he was more of the scary pureblood type. Well, what does Riddle mean to him? What does what does that name mean as far as he's concerned? Hmm. Is it a wizard name? Well, it- it's a muggle name. It's the name of his muggle father. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't think he associates with that identity, right? Yeah. So they, they pull up another memory in the Pensieve. Oh, there's another thing I wanted to mention. Dumbledore mentions that he has a really hard time collecting these memories because he can't find anybody willing to talk about Voldemort. They're terrified even to mention it. Uh, even the people that think he's been dead, they're, they don't want to tell what they know about him. I mean, he went to school there his whole life and Certainly there's teachers that know things about him, right? Yeah. But no one wants to talk. He mentions that he's had to get memories from muggles. He's had to trick people into giving memories. Maybe he's used Veritaserum on them or or ver- confundus, not confundus, uh, the unforgivable curse that makes people do what you want. I don't think he would do that. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. But... They go into this memory and they see the gaunt house, the grandparents of Tom Riddle. They see, see Tom they see Tom Riddle there as an older boy meeting his uncle Morphin. And he mentions that Morphin is wearing the black stoned ring that Marvolo had. But we know now that Marvolo is dead. He died shortly after he got out of prison. Yeah. When they speak, they speak in parcel tongue. Do you remember anything they talk about? Mm-mm. Morphin tells Tom about Mr. Gaunt's death and it tells him all about Tom Riddle's father. He says he left your mother and uh, he stole your gold locket. Do you think any of that's true? Probably not. He didn't leave his mother. He got out of a love potion, didn't know any idea what was going on and, and ran away. It's like, who are you? Leave me alone. Uh, I doubt he stole her locket too. But they say the sky gets dark and as if something really bad's about to happen. But then at that point, Harry and Dumbledore leave the memory. That means that Morphin could not remember anything after that. But when he wakes up the next morning, his the ring is gone. What is it that we learned about Voldemort and collecting things in the last in the last uh, couple of chapters? He likes stealing things and keeping them. Specifically from who, though? From... They mention it's from his victims, from people he's tortured or hurt in some way. So he likes stealing prizes or trophies from his victims. When he he was younger, it was just toys. Right. So it's, it's, it's grown with him throughout life, and it's become more severe. Uh, He also mentions that Tom Riddle Sr. and his mother and father were found dead in Little Hangleton. And Morphin was framed by Voldemort for the murders. What do you think actually happened? It was probably Voldemort that messed with 
Morphin's memory and made him think that he actually did it. Especially since he blacked out and doesn't remember what happened and his ring was stolen. So I think it was an easy way for Tom to get rid of all these people. I don't think, you know, Tom's got his own reasons. He's crazy, evil weirdo. But did did Tom Riddle Sr. do anything wrong? Did he deserve to die? No. I mean, he... He he could he could even say you abandoned my mother, but he's like, well, she put me under a spell. I didn't even know that girl, you know. So, I feel like he was. It was less an act of vengeance and more an act of what what they call wrath, just anger, rage. Mm. Um, I'm mad about my situation. I blame you. I'll kill you. Even though he didn't, he I'm sure he knows he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Dumbledore mentioned he had to use legitimacy to sort of steal this memory out of Morphin as he was dying in Azkaban for the murder of these muggles. There's another memory, and they see Tom Riddle meeting with Slughorn. Do you remember what happens in this meeting? Tom Riddle Sr. or... Junior. This is when Tom is at school and he's a part of the Slug Club. Okay, I believe there's like 12 other kids there mm-hmm. and Slughorn starts talking about how Tom is smarter than half the staff mm-hmm. and and then they start packing up to leave because they shouldn't be out too late because it's almost time to go to bed and... Um, Tom stays after all the boys, and Slughorn's like, "Hurry up! You're gonna be late for your um for your curfew or whatever." Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Tom asks Slughorn, "Before I go, I wanted to know what are Horcruxes? I came across the phrase, or whatever, and." didn't understand it yes he says he was studying in the restricted section of the library so we also know that he either has permission from slughorn to study in the restricted section or from some other teacher or he does it without permission yes and slughorn tells him like well okay if it's just for the sake of learning or something like that right uh oh well not yet actually in this version of the memory he says, oh, Cruxes, why would you ask about such a thing? Yeah, you'll go wrong, Tom. Get out, get out. And there's fog in the memory. And That's what does Dumbledore right. What does Dumbledore say the fog signifies? He doesn't say that till they get out. No, that yeah, they come out of the memory now. And what does Dumbledore oh. say the fog signifies? It signifies that Slughorn had messed with the memory before Dumbledore could get it out of him. He, Slughorn changed his own memory because whatever happened in his past either was so bad that he didn't want to remember it or he didn't want people like Dumbledore, who were skilled legilimens, to find out something he had done. He actually still has the real memory. So what does Dumbledore charge Harry with doing? Getting the actual memory back from Slughorn. Yeah, I I think the spell that Slughorn has done would mean, like, if you tried to take my memory, you would see the altered version. 
But if you were to ask me what happened, I could still tell you the truth, perhaps. So he says, you know, Harry, you must retrieve the original memory because it may be the most important piece of evidence that we've ever found. You know, so Harry doesn't know why he's going to do this. He says, legitimacy won't work. Veritaserum won't work. And uh, the portrait of Phineas Nigellus says, Harry, if Dumbledore can't do it, I don't think Harry can either. So they've got no faith in him, right? Yeah. It seems like it might be a tough task. Uh, Chapter 18, Birthday Surprises. Harry mentions Horcruxes to Hermione, thinking she's the one most likely to know what a uh, rare bit of magic might be called. Has she ever heard of him? No. No. Uh, They go to Slughorn's class, and I guess at this point, Harry is trying to figure out, how am I going to get this guy alone? How am I going to get him to confide in me? What, uh, you know, what are we supposed to do uh, to help help Dumbledore with this mission? How am I going to, if he won't tell Dumbledore, why is he going to tell me? I guess what I'm thinking. In this class, they are learning about, what do you call them? Uh, Antidotes for poisonous potions or for for curse potions. And Harry's advanced potion-making book is no use in this case because the prince didn't make any notes about antidotes. What do you think that says about the prince? He has all these notes for poison potions. It probably means that this potion is really hard to brew. I feel like what they're saying here is that the prince is concerned with attacking more than he may be concerned with curing. Oh. Because he's got all these notes about other potions, but none about antidotes, which means maybe he doesn't care about antidotes. Hmm. He might want some for himself, but maybe he doesn't write them down so that nobody else can know his secrets. Uh, Looking through the book, Harry sees a scribble that says... Just shove a bazore down their throat. I think it's a bezoar. They say it two different ways in the movie, mm. and so it could be either. I think bezoar sounds better. Yeah. I think uh, the second Dumbledore calls it a bazore. That's right. That's where I got that from. Um, it is a bezoar, probably though. What is a bezoar? We don't. I don't. I don't even know if we learn at this point, but it's a funny thing. A bezoar. I don't remember. I don't exactly remember the description, but. From what I remember, it's like half a a huge raisin, half coal. It's a stone removed from the stomach of a goat. Oh. Maybe it looks like those two things. I don't remember those descriptions. Uh, So anyway, he wants to know, Slughorn wants to know how to, I guess, how to do some sort of antidote. And Harry runs to the cupboard and grabs a bezoar and gives it to Slughorn instead of the potion. He's like, ooh. And he's like, well, Harry, yes, I suppose so. A bezoar would definitely do the trick. So he gives him marks for that, too, for knowing a different way to solve a problem than the one he had anticipated. Yeah, which I'm, I'm very much simpler. So now that, so I guess that's saying maybe also I could be, maybe I'm way off base. Maybe it's not that the Half-Blood Prince is only concerned about hurting people instead of helping them. He's saying a bezoar is an antidote to all poisons, so don't worry about any of this other stuff. 
just have this one trick. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I guess so. I could be reading too much into it. Um. So anyway, they've had their moment in class. They've they've had a bonding where Harry can see that Slughorn is proud of him. So he thinks this might be the right time to ask him about Horcruxes. What happens? I believe he asks him. Or wait, wait. Does he at this point? Or He's, does Slughorn leave too soon? He asks him, and Slughorn says, did, did, did Dumbledore put you up to this? And he leaves. <laughs> He's mad, but he knows that Dumbledore wants to know what he knows about Horcruxes. Slughorn refuses to see Harry again. He cancels all of his student meetings. He thinks that that'll make it impossible for Harry to ask him any questions again. Hermione couldn't find anything in the library about Horcruxes except for one reference in a book called Magic Most Evil, which says the Horcrux is the wickedest of magical inventions. We shall not speak nor give direction. Which means whatever this is, it's so bad that to even tell people what it is or how to do it might lead someone to knowing more about it. So we want to squash all information about Horcruxes. And and hopefully everyone will forget it and it'll never happen again, whatever it is. They have their first apparition lesson with a guy named Wilkie Twycross. It's one of the sillier names in, in recent books. And the Great Hall has a uh, temporarily lifted anti-apparition enchantment. But not for outside the school. And also, I believe Twycross was from their owls last year. What are you saying now? Oh, he was one of the inspectors? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. And yeah, you can't apparate out of the building. Yeah, I guess just just within within the Great Hall. Yes. Uh, Harry hears Draco talking to Crab, and Draco says, it's none of your business to Crab and Goyle what I'm doing, and all you have to do is keep a lookout. So it sounds like he's taken Snape's advice to get some lookouts, right? Yeah. Even though he said he didn't need him. Uh, we've heard about kids, or we've heard about the dangers of apparition, and they're just about to see it. What happens to Susan Bones? During apparition class. She gets splinched. Yeah, which we know means like your body doesn't make it back in the same piece. I think that one of, I think that like her left leg got left behind. Okay. It's pretty bad. So uh, all the heads of house run over at her. In the fray, Harry decides decides now's the time to go spy on Sna- on not Snape, uh, what's his name? Draco again. Grabs his invisibility cloak, his Marauder's Map, and he starts tracking Draco. Uh, He ends up, sort of in the coming weeks, always tracking Draco on the Marauder's Map, right? Yeah. What does he notice? I'm not even sure if it's here, but he notices something odd about Draco. A lot of times when he checks the map, he's not on it. Yeah. So that means he's either physically leaving the school, or it somehow doesn't show something. We know one place it doesn't show, which is Hagrid's hut, because that's where Scabbers was hiding all during book three? Three, yeah. Yeah. Scabbers was hiding in the hut, because and because Scabbers was a marauder, 
he knew that the Marauder's map wouldn't show if he was in the hut. And occasionally he was in the castle and it showed that Peter Pettigrew was in the castle. But anyways, why would he be going to Hagrid's hut? Hagrid doesn't even like him. Right, but maybe Draco has found out about the Marauder's map. I don't know. So there must be somewhere else that but is where not... where would he be hiding? I don't know. But there must be somewhere else that, that is unplottable on the Marauder's map. Because Draco is definitely disappearing. Either that or you're right. Maybe he is apparating outside of the castle somehow. Or maybe he's got a secret fireplace like uh, Dolores Umbridge had. And and someone's helping him. We know that Snape wants to help him. So maybe Snape is helping him leave the castle. Maybe they, like, somehow lifted the cur- the curse on the Slytherin fireplace. So, yeah, exactly. So it's Ron's birthday, and he unwraps his presents. He offers Harry a chocolate cauldron. Harry refuses. And then Ron starts acting weird. Turns out these are not the chocolate cauldrons that he got for his birthday. What chocolate cauldrons are these? Turns out when Harry was looking for his map... So no one can find it, or it doesn't slip out or anything. He always puts it at the very bottom of his trunk. So every time he has to dig out stuff, and the chocolate cauldrons that Romilda gave to him, uh, slip were in the slipped out, and he didn't notice. So what happens to Ron at this point? They start. They start walking to uh, to breakfast, and Ron's acting weird. He's like. Harry's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I can't stop thinking about her. And he's, he's like, oh, Lavender, come on, man. You just saw her. Uh, and actually, this we forgot this. La- Lavender has started calling Ron Juan Juan. Yeah, I'd rather forget about that. It's one of the more annoying things in all of the books. Lavender is one of my least favorite characters. And Harry's like, oh, my God, if if Ron is going to start calling Lavender Lav Lav, keep me out of it. <laughs> so what eventually happens, though? He's not talking about Lavender. No. Who's he talking about? Romilda Vane. Because obviously. These are the chocolate cauldrons filled with love potion that so she gave to Harry. So Romilda probably thought, oh, my love potion didn't work. It's been months and nothing ever happened. Or he never ate them. Nope. He saved them like a dummy instead of flushing them down the toilet. <laughs> and... Uh, Ron ate all of them, it seemed. And he's like, oh, Romilda. I love her, Harry. I love her. <laughs> Harry says something about Romilda that Ron doesn't like. Ron starts beating up Harry. Do you remember what Harry has to do to get him off of him? Does he have to curse him? He uses a levy corpus on him to float him in the air to keep him away from him. Uh, Harry... Also, they walk past Ramil, uh, They walk past Lavender, and Ron completely ignores her. Says he's in love with Ramil Devane. Certainly confusing Lavender. She's like, wait, what? Harry takes Ron to Slughorn, and Slughorn doesn't want to, you know, uh, doesn't want to answer the door for Harry, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, Professor. It's, it's because of my friend Ron. He's been cursed with love. <laughs> he's got a love potion. Do you have an antidote? So Slughorn brings him inside, brews him an antidote, Ron takes it, and he feels better, right? Yeah, and since it's his birthday and he's technically an adult now. Is he 17 now? Yes. He's a wizard adult, okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's an adult now, 
and uh, he Slughorn offers Harry and Ron a drink of, I think it was whiskey, butterbeer, and something else. Butterbeer is something that they let kids have, so it must not really have any alcohol content, but they offer him some oak-matured mead, which is like whiskey. It's a... Yeah. Mead is a, a very sturdy liquor. Yes, and so uh, since he's an adult now, they decide to to let him have something special. Since he's technically an adult, he can have alcohol. And he stuff. said, I, 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 I meant to give this to Professor Dumbledore for Christmas, but I, I suppose we can celebrate you, Wembley." I don't even remember if he calls him Wembley in the book, but he does in the movie, and I find it hilarious. So, Does he call him that in the book? I don't know. In the, in the movies, he calls him Wembley, and I think it's funny. Anyway, uh, what happens when Ron takes one drink? He... he Starts sweating a lot and turns really pale. He also starts convulsing, falls on the floor. He's having a seizure. He's foaming at the mouth. His eyes are bulging out. And Harry... Foaming at the mouth? Yep. What does that mean? It means there is like bubbles coming out of your mouth. What? And Harry knows just what to do. What does Harry do? He he runs for a bezoar and shoves it down his throat. And he just kind of lays there limp, right? Yeah. We we don't really know if he makes it or not. Chapter 19. Was that chapter 18? That yep. was. Chapter 19, Elf Tales. Man, we're going far. Well, this is the fifth chapter we've discussed. Uh, no, sixth, fifth. That's, that's the seventh. We ended on chapter 12, la- no, chapter 13 last time. Right, so 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Did I close one? 18, 17, 15. Oh, I closed 16. Okay, so this is the sixth chapter we've discussed. Okay. In this episode. We can probably do one more because it's only (laughs) one hour and ten minutes. That's fine. This is chapter 19, Elf Tales. Harry, Hermione, and Ginny are in the hospital wing with Ron. He's in one of those situations where one more second without an antidote, he would have died but he's still not doing great because of all the poison he's had. Yeah, he's not doing great, but he's okay. This is kind of like book two, where everything that happens to put a kid in the hospital wing should have killed them, if not for one thing being slightly different. Yeah. Not for seeing the snake through a mirror, not for seeing the snake through a camera or reflection in the floor or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a very convenient that Ron is not dead. And they were, uh, oh yeah, they uh, run into Fred and, Fred and George show up and they say they're thinking of buying Zonko's since the shop is closed. So maybe they're going to have like a, you know, Weasley's, Wizard Weezes in Hogsmeade. Yeah. An, an, an extra store perhaps. But it turns out that Hogsmeade is closed. All of Hogsmeade? I'm pretty sure. For what reason? I don't remember this at all. Because of Katie Bell's attack. Oh, okay. Or maybe it means they just can't go. Yeah. Like they can't go, but maybe people can. I don't imagine they'd close the whole village. I think they do. I don't remember. Mr. Weasley and Mrs. Weasley are in Dumbledore's office. They arrived about an hour before. And they're trying to figure out who the poison was actually meant for. And I feel like this is the point where... Uh, 
Slughorn says something like, well, well, this is for you, Headmaster. I had meant to give it to you as a present. And so now they're thinking, okay, maybe these attacks are not meant for Harry or Slughorn. Maybe they're meant for Dumbledore. Yeah, maybe somebody evil overheard Slughorn saying, I, I've been thinking about giving Dumbledore a Christmas gift, yeah, but so, I haven't anything to give him. Well, or he they know that he was going to give it to Dumbledore, yeah. and so they poisoned the bottle before he could get it to Dumbledore. Something like that. Hagrid shows up to wish Ron well, but mentions that poor Aragog is getting worse. Oh, poor Aragog. My giant evil spider. <laughs> wants, he's a, the size of a truck and he wants to eat my friends. Oh, poor Aragog. Um, I love him so much because yeah, he, he kills people. He, he does. Uh, Hermione thinks the attacks with Ron and with Katie are connected. And that both of them should have, like I said, should have been fatal. If not for, you know, the exact circumstances that happened. Uh, Katie's wasn't fa- fatal because she barely touched the necklace and Ron's wasn't because Harry acted so quickly. Harry, Hermione, and Hagrid leave. So, if not for the Half-Blood Prince, then Ron would be dead now. That is true. Ron owes the Half-Blood Prince's life and also owes Harry for not getting rid of that book, even though Hermione said he should have. Hermione owes him, too. You say that, perhaps Slughorn would have snapped out of it and figured out what to do. But, I mean, obviously there was a Bezoar within, like, five feet. So maybe he would have figured out what to do. Uh, Harry, Hermione, and Hagrid leave. Hagrid says it's going to be difficult for Dumbledore to keep the school open when two kids have been attacked. It's interesting to me that this is a problem now, because in year two, there's, like, four kids nearly killed. And there weren't there wasn't really a problem. And and everyone's like, oh, let's just figure out what happens. But let's let kid die. Dumbledore wasn't back. Or Voldemort wasn't back then. So now that there's kids being attacked and Voldemort's back, I guess it's more of a big deal. Maybe there are more. And plus, we mentioned the beginning of the book, kids were already getting pulled out of Hogwarts for it being too dangerous. So there there's probably a lot more paranoia among parents right now. Hagrid overheard Dumbledore having a heated discussion with Snape. He heard Snape saying that Dumbledore takes too much for granted and maybe he doesn't want to do it anymore. Dumbledore said to Snape that he had agreed to do it and that was all there was to it. We don't know what they're talking about. We know that Snape has agreed to do something and that was the unbreakable vow. We know that he has agreed to help Draco do something, which we think is to kill someone. I thought it was Harry. So perhaps here Snape is saying, this vow that I've made, I don't want to do it anymore. Dumbledore says, you don't have a choice, buddy. You vowed to do it, you're going to do it. Like, do you want to die? Or do you want to die? And that is if they're even talking about the vow that he made to Narcissa Malfoy. They might be talking about something completely different, but Harry's only acting on what he knows and so he hears this from Hagrid and he's like, it's all falling into place, you know? Yeah. Obviously, Draco is doing something horrible. Snape has to help him. But apparently Dumbledore knows. Um, also, Dumbledore said something about Snape making investigations in his house in Slytherin, like in Slytherin house. And I wonder what that means. Like, who is he looking into? Um, 
or into Slytherin is what he says. And so he might have meant into Salazar Slytherin. Like, why are you why are you researching more about Salazar Slytherin if you're not evil? I don't know. Um, in the common room, Cormac is waiting for Harry, I guess. He saw Ron being taken to the hospital and he wants the keeper position. Do you think that's the right time to ask that question? Probably not. He says, I saw your friend uh, almost dead. Can I have his job? (laughs) Not the nicest thing, but Harry lets him do it anyway. They got to have a keeper. Harry is also, much like Draco at this point, probably less concerned about Quidditch, would you say? He's really more obsessed with seeing where Draco is on the map, right? Like, it's fun, but it's not on the top of his priority list. This is where Harry points out that he never sees Draco anywhere suspicious, except for when he's not on the map at all. So that's weird. Uh, Cormac and Lavender are nagging Harry. Cormac wants more Quidditch input. Uh, He wants to sort of act like he's the co-captain. And yeah, Lavender. Yeah, he's basically bossing the team around and making it worse by not doing his job. Lavender. Do you remember what Lavender's complaint is? This is kind of funny. No. Lavender complains that every time I go to see my one one, he's asleep. But Harry knows he's not actually asleep. He's, he's like, pretending he's, to be asleep. It's like, what? what? He's been asleep every time you've been? Because he's awake every time I've been. Yeah, so... Harry knows this is not the case. In the movies, this is a much shorter scene. All this is left out, and the the circumstances by which Ron awakes are very different. Uh, but it, I, if I remember correctly, none of that's in the book. I could be wrong. Um, on the way to the Quidditch match against Hufflepuff, Harry sees Draco and with two Slytherin girls, and they're kind of hanging all over him and laughing and loving on him. Harry's wondering, should I follow him or should I go play the match? He's he's so obsessed at this point that he can't decide. Do I go do my duty to my Quidditch team as the captain of the team and the captain of the whole, you know, house, the Gryffindor Quidditch? Yeah. Or or do I go on my special uh, spy mission against Draco that no one believes me about, but only I think is actually happening? Like one person spy field trip. <laughs> What's interesting about this Quidditch match? Who is doing the commentary? Luna. Luna is doing the commentary. Uh, is she? Does she do a normal Quidditch commentary? No. What does she do? She she does the oddest commentary you have ever heard in your life. Can you remember <laughs> any of the things that she says? She says, "Oh, and there goes like." I don't remember his name. It's like Bibbit, and then it be and then it becomes like something totally. It's different. like she doesn't know the players and she doesn't know the rules of Quidditch, basically, right? And yeah, and she and it says actually in the book that she's that she keeps trying to draw the attention of the crowd to pretty clouds in the sky right. and and the colors of people's shirts. Do you want to know why Luna did the commentary in this chapter? Why? Uh, the author has stated that she she knows that Quidditch has to be addressed in every book because Harry plays Quidditch, but eventually she ran out of ways to write Quidditch differently. Hmm. So it's like every match is going to be the same because all you're doing is saying, 
he did this, she did that, they did this, this team wins over and over and over and over and over. And so she figured out that if she had Luna do the commentary, it would be a totally different way to write about Quidditch that might be more fun for her as an author. It was fun for us, too. And fun for the reader, certainly, because it would be tired. If you just wanted to read play-by-play on Quidditch matches, that's something totally different. Then get Quidditch through the ages. This is why I don't understand sports. I can't imagine watching people do the same thing over and over and over. There's only so many things that can happen in football. But uh, I think she was kind of feeling the same way. So... At this point, uh, Harry wakes up in the hospital wing. Why is Harry in the hospital wing? I believe because he um, got knocked out at the Quidditch game. He got knocked out. And why did he get He's got a cracked skull. He got hit by a bludger. Uh, Gryffindor lost. But why did this happen? I don't remember. Because McClagan screwed up. McClagan, I think, is the one that hit Harry with the bludger. And it, that's uh, right. He was trying to sh- he was trying to show one of the beaters how to hit a bludger properly, like during the game, I guess. Yes. Uh, Ron is actually pretty happy about this. Now they're in the hospital wing together. And, and I believe their beds are either right across or right beside each other. Ron is happy that McClagan screwed up because he got Ron's job. And so he's thinking, maybe I'll get my job back. You know, McCla- no one's going to be happy with McClagan after this. <laughs> Uh, Harry tells Ron that Draco left just before the game, ran off to do something nefarious. And Harry remembers the other times in the hospital uh, where someone just appeared and thinks of something he calls Creature. And what does... He also uses one of the prince's spells, Muffliato, which makes other people unable to hear what they're saying. Yeah. But since creature, he, he remembers that elves can apparate and disapparate in and out of Hogwarts at, at their whim. Uh, what does he tell creature to do? Actually, at first, once they show up, he and Dobby are wrestling. Yeah, he only wanted creature. He gets creature and Dobby, and they're fighting. What happens? I believe he breaks them up eventually, and he tells them both to like start spying on Malfoy since he can't do it. He says, yeah, creature, I was just going to send you but to now, spy on Malfoy, but now I got two. I got two yeah, house now elves. I, now I got a willing Dobby. Yeah, so you go ahead and both you guys go. And it, it mentions something about creature uh, agreeing to do Harry's bidding despite giving him a look, wishing him almost certain death. Man, creature... Obliged to serve the noble house of Black, Mary Potter, and uh, Dobby's certainly more enthusiastic than that. Oh, Harry Potter! Dobby loves Harry Potter. I do whatever Harry Potter says. Be happy to spy on Draco Malfoy for Harry Potter. Dobby, we're love your he- friends. Dobby love Harry Potter. Harry Potter best. Well, I think he speaks in complete sentences, but uh, <laughs> so anywho. Um, so now he's got two willing, well, not willing, but at least he's got two participants, <laughs> two people that will be on his side, whether they have any reason to believe him or not. Dobby, because he feels like he owes Harry his life and creature because he is bound by magic to do whatever Harry says. Uh, chapter 20, Lord Voldemort's request. Do you think we have time? I'm positive we do because we're already doing it. Harry and Ron... Uh, get discharged from the hospital wing. They're they're free to go back to life and to class and all of that. 
uh, on their way, um, a girl drops her scale or something, and, her- and Hermione fixes it with a reparo that's sort of inqu- inconsequential. Uh, Hermione tells them that tells that Ginny has had a fight with Dean. What do you think that makes Harry think? Harry's like, oh, yes. Yeah, I think Harry likes the idea of Ginny and Dean not being perfectly happy together, which is a little selfish, but, you know, whatever. Um, Ron seems to be over dating Lavender at this point. How does Ron feel about Lavender? He doesn't he doesn't like her at all. Yeah, he's well he I think he's maybe realizing he never did. Right? I think he already knew that. He just he like you said, he just wanted to he just he was so willing he was gonna make out with the next person that was interested. And something that I want you to as you read and reread these books throughout your life, I want you to understand what an accurate portrayal these books have of teenage romance. <laughs> this is a very real thing. It's happened to me when I was young. It happened to many, many, many of my friends where someone shows you attention. And so you're like, all right, I guess. I'll do it. I guess we'll be dating or whatever. I guess we'll be making out all over the castle. Uh, but there's no actual emotion behind it. And it doesn't mean that it's the wrong thing to do. But much like with Ron here, the appeal wears off when you realize there's no emotional connection. There's no. Do you think Ron and Lavender would have been friends? They could. I don't think they had enough in common to actually be interested in each other, especially not romantically. So they've got nothing to base a relationship off of. Once Ron gets bored with making out, then there's no substance to that relationship, okay? So that's kind of where he, 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 Ron's pretty slow. And so he's had this slow realization that, oh, I guess I don't actually like anything about this girl. Um, okay, since that happens to mostly every teenager, uh-huh. if I do that, I hope I keep my sense. <laughs> uh, I hope so too, but I wouldn't count on it. Uh, your brain kind of goes nuts when you're a teenager <laughs> and you, you do things that don't make any sense. So that's just normal. Um, oh my God. It's, it's more about when you do that, uh, can me and your mom uh, remember what it's like to be a teenager and not tell you not to because teenagers are going to do whatever they're going to do. So anyway, um, it also doesn't mean that Lavender is bad. Lavender genuinely likes Ron. That's the other bad thing. You got one kid emotionally invested and another kid just along for the ride. It's actually Lavender who's mistreated here. Because Ron should have had the respect for her to say, I don't, I'm not actually interested, thank you, but I'm not interested. So by leading her on, like, by... You can like me if you want, but sorry, I'm not interested. You can't really control who you like, but if the other person allows you to act out this sort of uh, one-sided fantasy, they're not doing you any service. They're, in my mind, they are mistreating you. So Ron's not... But Ron's ignorant of this. He doesn't really know what he's doing. It's hard It's hard to fault Ron for being an emotional dullard because he just is. He's just He's just not super that's fast. How, that's how he was born. Uh, yeah, I mean, he needs to wake up, and I think he starts to wake up pretty soon after this. Um, here he goes on his uh, next secret meeting with Dumbledore. As he's entering Dumbledore's office, Trelawney is leaving, and the pensieve is already on his desk. 
Harry is asked by Dumbledore, you know, did you already get Slughorn's memory? But he hasn't He's got like, it. Um, no. Dumbledore's very disappointed about this. Not that Harry hasn't tried, but like he just wishes it would be done, right? Yeah. Uh, the first memory they're going to watch is from a house elf named Hokey. House elves apparently only get silly names. <laughs> uh, Tom Riddle was Wink- one of the most... Yeah, yes? Winky, Dobby, Hokey, creature. And, and a creature with a K. Uh, Tom Riddle was one of the most promising students to ever leave Hogwarts. He refused all offers for work, including from the ministry. And he started working at Borgen and Burks. That's kind of weird. It's not his first choice, though. His first choice was what? I believe it was was Defense Against the Dark Arts. He asked Professor Dippet or Headmaster Dippet to be Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And he was turned down. It's interesting that he would want to teach kids to defend against the dark arts since he would be a proponent of the dark arts, but perhaps he just, like Snape, was attracted to darkness, and so he just wanted to be in that world, right? Like, it has the name dark in it, so it has to be good. Well, it's just that, you know, he he might have already been exploring the dark arts, especially if he's exploring Horcruxes, which we don't know what it is, but we know it's the darkest magic there ever was. Maybe he thought learning more about the dark arts would be his sort of intro into finding out more about Horcruxes. Um, Dumbledore thinks, first of all, he wants this job because he was happiest at Hogwarts. He was certainly happier there than he was... At the orphanage. Yeah, at the orphanage. He has no family to go to, and he doesn't really have any anywhere to go. So even though he's very promising, he's kind of lost. Uh, secondly, because the castle is a stronghold of ancient magic and Voldemort may think there are more secrets here for me to tap into. For instance, we know before he left Hogwarts, he, uh, made that magic diary and he, he knew about the, he knew about the basilisk in the basement. So he's thinking, well, man, if there's a giant snake in the basement that I can command, this castle might be full of stuff that'll make me a more powerful dark wizard. He was also going by Voldemort at this point, just as a man, just as a, as a person, his name was Voldemort before he even began trying to rule the world. Yeah. He, he had people call him Voldemort. I guess not Lord Voldemort, but Voldemort. Um, so anyway, the last thing he thinks is that a teacher has influence and power over students and that if he were in a position to influence young minds, we know that he's already been collecting followers, right? Do you think it would be easier to train people to be a follower if they're already told they have to respect you because you're a teacher? Probably, yeah. I think so. So he's got this sort of four-pronged plan that that Dumbledore's devised that he thinks is the reason that Voldemort wanted to stay at Hogwarts as long as possible. So he wanted the uh, Dippet told him, you're too young, wait a few years. He didn't outright refuse him, but he said, wait a few years. 
Voldemort wanted the position now, and it was being taught by Professor Galatea Merrythought. This is someone he mentions when he's talking to Slughorn that uh, isn't Professor Merrythought thinking of retiring. He's like, oh, how did you know that, Tom? So he's like, obviously, even as a student, he's thinking, how am I going to get this job? Right? Yeah. Um, at Borgen and Burks, Voldemort had the job of persuading people to sell unusual and powerful treasure to the store. That's a weird job, right? Yeah. Like he's supposed to seek out treasure and part people from it uh, to make the store more powerful, I guess. So Hokey the Elf worked for a rich wizard named Hepzibah Smith. They enter the Pensieve and they see Hepzibah welcoming Voldemort into her house. Uh, what is Hepzibah's deal and what is Voldemort doing there? Hepzibah, she has a lot of really valuable stuff. I think she's either collected or have been passed down from her family. Yeah, she is very interested in magical artifacts, whether they are light or dark, whatever they are, as long as they are important and old, she collects them. So given Voldemort's job at Borgen and Burks, what do you think he's doing there? He's he's probably trying to persuade... What's her name again? Hepzibah Smith. Hepzibah Smith. She, he's probably trying to persuade her to give him at least some of the things that they have. Or sell them. But it's interesting here. You got to wonder. We know that Dumble- that Voldemort also loves collecting trinkets and trophies. Do you think he's going to find something powerful and actually buy it for the store? Or do you think perhaps he will somehow acquire it for himself? He'd probably do it for himself. I would think so. Hepzibah shows Voldemort her two prized possessions. One of them is a cup that belonged to Helga Hufflepuff, certainly one of the four most famous wizards of all time. And I believe it's a locket with um, that belonged to Salazar Slytherin. Interesting. A gold locket that belonged to Salazar Slytherin. Of those two items, let's assume he desires both of them. Which one do you think he's more interested in? The the locket. And despite the fact that he was a Slytherin, what else do we know about Voldemort at this point that might make him want something that belonged to Salazar? Hmm. Is he the heir of Slytherin? Yeah. So technically, this might be something that should have been passed down to him as the last living heir of Slytherin. Yeah, I guess so. He may at this point even assume this actually belongs to me. Whether you have it or not, it's mine. She also says, you know, this is, it's crazy cursed. It's got all kinds of powers. And that makes him want it even more. At this point in the memory, you see a red glow in Voldemort's eyes. Harry and Dumbledore leave the memory. Hepzibah died two days after that happened. And Hokey was arrested, convicted of poisoning her. Uh, By the time her family realized there were artifacts missing, Voldemort had already quit his job at Borgen and Burks. So, it's safe to say at least some of those items, if not both of them, did not make it to Borgen and Burks, right? 
Yeah. The second memory happens another decade later. And they dive into the memory. They arrive in Dumbledore's office. This is actually, I think this is Dumbledore's memory. Fox is there. So he's been with Dumbledore for a while. Uh, A younger Dumbledore is waiting for someone. Yeah, this is his memory. And they're almost in the same spots that they were. Right. Uh, Voldemort enters the office and his features are sort of burned and blurry. Dumbledore still calls him Tom. Voldemort requests the dark arts teacher's position again. So this is after Headmaster Dippet is gone. Dumbledore is Headmaster now. It's safe to say uh, Dumbledore probably knows Voldemort better than anyone else, what he's capable of. Especially since he was the one who actually picked up Tom from the orphanage. Do you think there's any chance at all, no matter what, he would ever let Voldemort be in charge of students? Uh, no. Probably not. There's probably nothing he could ever say to convince Dumbledore of this. Especially if he starts requesting that people call him Voldemort, which yeah. means fly from death. Well, it means that in in French. I don't think it has to mean that in the wizarding world. Uh, that's just where she came up with the name. But Voldemort says, since I left Hogwarts, I've done many things. I've learned a lot. I have a lot to teach students. He says he's pushed the boundaries of magic further than anyone. Dumbledore reminds him uh, that love is more powerful than your magic. And Voldemort would leave, uh, Voldemort mentions he would leave his friends, which are at this point already known as Death Eaters, to teach at Hogwarts. Dumbledore asks why Voldemort really wants to return to Hogwarts. Because he does not believe it's to teach. And then Voldemort has no answer for that. But regardless, does Dumbledore want to give him the job? No. No. So they don't, he doesn't get him the job and Voldemort leaves. Harry and Dumbledore leave the memory. And Dumbledore says, I have an idea what Voldemort really wanted. But I can't tell you until what? Until you get me that memory. So now he has presented Harry with a bit of a mystery. Certainly something that Harry would be interested in knowing the answer to. It's also sort of a wager. If if you get me that memory, I'll tell you. Right. Well, it's it's an ultimatum is what it is. He's saying, I'm not going to I'm not going to give you what you want, which is to know what I know until you get me what Slughorn has. In a way, Dumbledore is now resorted to manipulating Harry to push him further. Perhaps Harry wasn't moving quite as fast as Dumbledore would have liked to get this memory. So he has given him more incentive, but it's kind of a manipulation. Uh, But it's safe to say that Dumbledore might know how important this is and Harry doesn't yet. And so Harry's like, I don't, or Dumbledore's like, I don't really care. If I have to trick this kid, if I have to, whatever, we got to find out what Slughorn knows. You would think if it was this dire, he would just strap Slughorn to a table <laughs> and get the memory out of him somehow. But I guess that's not an option. So uh, that is it for this episode. Let's see. When we come back, there's not a lot left to this book. I'm going to. Really I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. I want you to tell me where you actually are in the book. 
uh, because we just read through chapter 20. And this book ends at chapter 30. There's only 10 chapters left. Hmm. What chapter are you reading tonight? I think you are reading... You are probably somewhere like here, maybe the cave, chapter 26 or chapter 27. It's the lightning tower. The lightning struck tower. Man, oh man. Uh, fans of the series, people who have read this book know what I'm talking about. You do not. No, I don't. You'll probably know in about an hour. <laughs> uh, so, it'll be at least a couple of episodes before we get to that, but man, oh man. Uh, the world of Harry Potter is, uh, like I said, only getting darker and scarier and more grave and less fun for Harry and his friends. And that trend only continues from here on out. Uh, but it's also where it starts to get really, really, really exciting. And the things they do matter more and more and more, you know? Yeah. So I think that'll do it. We would like to thank... Everyone who listens uh, and, and likes the show, thank you so much for continuing to download. If you do enjoy the show, please go to iTunes or your podcast app of choice and leave us a positive review. It will help people find the show. It'll help uh, more Harry Potter fans stumble upon the show, and that's sure a great thing. Thank you to Harry and the Potters for letting us use their song, This Book is So Awesome, as our theme song. And what else? Is that it? That's probably, probably it. Yeah. So bef- probably before we record another episode, we'll be on our way to Wizarding World and hopefully record an episode about that experience. But we'll put that at the end. We won't put that in between. But we should probably record it a little bit after, uh, like a little bit, if not right after we get Or we'll home. forget everything, right? Yeah. Okay. So for probably and probably not <laughs> for Potter and daughter, I'm Joel Watson and I'm Lily Watson. I think good episode. Great episode. Okay. Bam. <laughs> Bye, people. Oh my god. This book is so awesome.